Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. Do you enjoy a nice glass of wine now and then? Have you ever been curious about the history of winemaking in Michigan? Today, I have a very special guest, John Braganini from St. Julian Winery, based out of Pawpaw, Michigan. And we're going to talk about some of the history of St. Julian and winemaking in Southwest Michigan. Well, welcome, John. I'm very excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for taking time to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So could you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you became connected with St. Julian? I know it's a family business. Yeah. Well, my grandfather started the company in 1921. Uh, I, I have been... Uh, uh, active in the business in a, in a, in a, a number of different capacities uh, throughout my life. Uh, but most recently in 2016, I stepped in as the president when my brother passed away. But I, my memories take me back to the late 50s. Uh, and and uh, I can vividly remember my grandpa running this company. Wow. And it started originally in Canada, right? Your, your great-grandfather yes. was a Italian immigrant that stood up in Ontario, is what I read online? Well, my grandfather emigrated to uh, Windsor in uh, in 1918, and then he started uh, a, a small winery in 1921, called it the Border City uh, Wine Company. And then uh, mm-hmm. after Prohibition, he uh, moved it over to Detroit into the Eastern Market. And then in 1936, he moved it here to Pawpaw, which is where we are today. Why, why did he choose Pawpaw? Just curiosity was it just a area of the vineyards or well there were really two grape growing regions that he could access one would be in the uh in the uh niagara falls area in uh, in toronto because over in that lake erie area there's uh there, there are thousands of acres of grapes so that was one source of fruit but the other one was in southwest michigan and there were uh plentiful uh grape uh crops to be able to access really from the 18 mid 1800s there were grapes in southwest michigan so it was 120 miles away it was just easier for him to move here wow and it's been established here ever since then he when did he change the name to saint julian well like i say he started his border city wine company we moved to detroit he renamed it the maconey wine company when he came to Pawpaw, he renamed it the Italian Wine Company. And then during World War II, because of fascist sentiment, he renamed it St. Julian. And St. Julian is, uh, is not only the patron saint of uh, his hometown in Falaria, Italy, but it also is the name, uh, was his, first son, uh, his first son was named Giuliano, and uh, who unfortunately passed away when he was little, uh, and my mother's name was Julia. So we got lots of Julias and Julianos and Julians. And- perfect, <laughs> perfect name. Perfect name. That's great. Well, you can't uh, spend any time in Michigan without running into seeing St. Julian signs or seeing the wine in stores. And uh, I mean, I lived over in Ann Arbor for years and I remember seeing the signs for St. Julian or I take someone to the airport and I think you had a, there's a store or something out there off of I-94 that uh, one of your branch offices for St. Julian's out there. and Yeah, well, we had a we had a tasting room in Parma. We currently have one in Dundee, and mm-hmm. uh, we had one in Monroe at one point in time, Holly. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, at one point in time, we've had, I think, is in tasting rooms in as many as 15 locations in Michigan, but uh, today we have six. Okay. 
So what could you tell us a little bit more about the wine industry in um, your area? Is there, there were other wineries that are no longer in existence? Well, wine, uh, commercial winemaking started after Prohibition in Southwest Michigan. And uh, there were, uh, I think, six, there were six, six, six or seven uh, <clears throat> commercial operations. They all went out of business over time. We were the only, one that's, only ones that survived that period. Uh, we were making wine with juice grapes because that's all that was uh -huh. available. Wine grapes had not uh, been cultivated really in the United States in, in any scale. And then in the 70s, we started to experiment with French hybrid grapes that uh, the Agricultural Extension at Michigan State University helped us with. So we started grafting uh, European wine grapes uh, onto native rootstock, and we started converting uh, many of our vineyards over to wine grapes. And, uh, and that was a rebirth of the, of the wine industry. And then uh, in this area, we ended up with, uh, right now today on the, on the Lake Michigan Shore Wine Trail, we have about uh, 20 wineries, uh, Austin and 19 others uh, down in the southwest uh, uh, part of the state. And uh, we have our own wine trail. And uh, it, it's a vibrant uh, industry up north in the Leland in uh, Old Mission Peninsulas. There are probably another 40 or 50 wineries. And throughout the state, I think we have 170 winery licenses in michigan now so it's a it's it's, wow. it's yeah it's here to stay that's a big industry i think a great grandfather established right after prohibition and he moved to pawpaw what in the 1930s somewhere yeah he came like i say he came here in 1936 he moved his operation from from detroit and then when he arrived here the building that we're in uh, today was an was an ice house. It was an ice storage house uh, back in that oh. time where they would cut big blocks of ice, put them in the basement, cover them with sawdust, and as modern refri re modern refrigeration made that uh, uh, un unprofitable, and we were right. sitting right on a railroad line, it, be it became a perfect place for Grandpa to, to start a winery. Uh, how he, where he found the the, the ten and fifteen thousand gallon wooden vats, or or how he made them, I don't have. Uh, you know, there's there's fragmented history on how that all happened, but we have uh, amazing pictures of this whole winery was was wood at one point mm -hmm. in time. It's all stainless steel and temperature controlled now, but at one point in time, I found an article that he sold two hundred and fifty thousand gallons of wine in 1938. So there was a there was a market wow. for it. Wow, and California, you know, it had really gotten started. Well, and then of course the railroad line gave him access also to Chicago. Yes, mm -hmm. not just Detroit. So those are pretty major distribution ports in the area. That's any other interesting stories you mentioned uh, when we were talking before. You mentioned a story about your grandfather hauling this big bladder of wine to deliver it to somebody. In that time period, uh, tanker. Uh, transportation was very limited. Uh, some of the earlier, I mean, we see we see liquid tankers going up and down the highway today. But in that period of time, they were made out of wood. Uh, there were mm -hmm. giant wood casts on top of a on top of a flatbed. But what Grandpa did was he took uh, he had a good friend in Kalamazoo, Otto Kim, who had a huge tire uh, business, and somehow they figured out how to how to weld. Uh, a half a dozen giant pieces of, of thick rubber together and create a, a, a what would look like a great big hot water bottle 
that would, that would <laughs> lay on the top of a, a flatbed, and uh, and he would, you know, they could put five thousand gallons of wine inside in it, and so that allowed him to start shipping bulk wine to, out to the East Coast, and so it's a. Uh, I thought it was a, a stroke of entrepreneurial genius and myself. Wow. I can remember yeah. that big bladder, yeah. So they probably have short-lived when the tankers came into play, but that's Very an interesting... Going up. <laughs> so um, the specific uh, types of wines that, that St. Julian uh, produces today, I mean, there's, it's more than just wine, though, right? You've got other juices and you've got... Yeah, we have a large we have a large uh, campus. We have 1.8 million gallons of storage, and, and that ranges from 50 gallon casks all the way up to 80,000 gallon storage tanks. So we're able to do a, to, to do a lot of things. We processed 53 types of wine grapes last year, and we make everything wow. but beer here. We make uh, we make mm-hmm. uh, white wine, red wine, sweet wine, dry wine. We make sherry port. We make. Uh, uh, estate bottled Cabernet Sauvignon. We make uh, wow. cider here. We have a we have our own distillery. So yeah, everything but beer, and, and we we've, we've got it. So you can bring any any uh, size group into one of our tasting rooms, and we're going to find something that's something that everyone enjo- enjoys. Wow, that's great. And so that somebody comes to visit, they can do they do they can do like a tour of how wine is produced and then they go to a tasting room in there and get some experience six, with that yeah we have six tasting rooms around the state uh here union pier rockford troy frankenmuth and dundee this is the only place that we make wine so if you want to go on a winery tour you got to do it on the weekends and you have to schedule it but uh, uh-huh. typically the 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 uh hospitality experience can consist of either a flight of wines or or a glass if you're a wine club member you can come in and have a complimentary glass of wine anytime you want which wow. is a, a big draw uh, for that uh, for that group of customers but the uh, you know, typically you can you can pick out. We have 150 different products, of which 30 typically are being uh, poured at any point in time. And if you come in, we, we even have we even have sparkling grape juice for the kids. And you know, three generations of Michiganders have grown up on that stuff. So, wow, uh, yeah. So it's a great tour for kids to come through Absolutely. with yeah, their parents, and we're kid friendly. You bet. Yeah, and they do you actually take them out to some of the the fields where the grapes are going to to see so they can see it right on the vine and yeah we do we have a we have a vine to bottle we have a, bo- a vine to bottle tour uh that starts in uh typically in mid-july we do it every sunday through october just because the you know until july there's no grapes on really to see and then as, as it was we moved mm-hmm. through august and september uh the colors start to change it's you know it's, it's really a beautiful experience and uh, my wife and i actually lead some of those tours Oh, that's great. That's great. And then, of course, the city of Pawpaw has the Wine and Harvest Festival that yeah. sometime in September, right? That's Yeah, second weekend uh, in September, right after right after Labor Day. And and we we will be set up this year to have about 1,000 people inside the building uh, in, our, in our cellars. And uh, wow. the whole town converts to a festival. And we have a, 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 actually a, a Ferris, you know, a complete uh, set of rides for the kids. And there's all kinds of events. There's a, there's a car show, a parade, uh, a wine show, grape stomping contest, uh, and, and tons <laughs> of things to do. And St. Julian's has played a large role in that for many years. We have. 
Yeah, it started yeah. in 1938, and we've been a parade sponsor uh, ever since it started. Wow. Was it something that was uh, like a brainchild of St. Julian or just members of the community wanted to do something to... I, my, my expectation would be that the, that the, the farming community uh, put it together because, uh, I mean, grapes are a big, big, 90% of all the grapes that are, are grown in Michigan are grown in this, in this small corner of southwest Michigan. So you can drive wow. for miles and miles and miles and see vineyards everywhere. There's a Welch's plant in Lawton, and they're you know, wow. three times bigger than we are. Yeah, you know, that's a... Uh... I don't know that a lot of new people coming to Michigan know that right off the bat, but there's certainly, uh, I mean, the St. Julian presence is the one that I was most familiar with um, because of the wine tasting. And I've been through Pawpaw and other business, and I've seen the big winery there, but I've never gone in. So I'm really intrigued to hear about and take some of the tour. And they go through, and they, you see, you have a lot of historic photos inside the building of the... We do. We, yeah, we have we, we've retained... Uh a lot of our history we've got antique wine presses and we've got good video lots of pictures so your grandfather founded it and then you turned it over to your father and then you're turning you're, you're running it and your son is about ready to take over soon too right yeah grandpa grandpa ran it from uh was the president of the company from 1921 until 1967 uh so he was in the chair for 46 years and then his two uh-huh. sons and my father uh, uh, intermittently switched that position for a 15-year period, and then uh, my brother uh-huh. and I uh, for the last 40 years. So on Monday, wow. August 1st of this year, my son Apollo uh, Bragini II will uh, step in as the fourth uh, generation leader of the company. Wow, that's great. And you have a lot of the family members working there. I was looking on the St. Julian site, and it shows pictures of some of your other uh, nieces and nephews and uh, other children working with the company is that right yeah well apollo uh and and his brother dario they will they're they're equal partners they will they will uh will co-operate the company my wife is the cfo and we and mm-hmm. i have a, a nephew um vince mcconey who who also works in our in our wholesale so we've got uh three four five five family members wow Okay, well, any um, last bit of information you'd like to tell the public about St. Julian's? Maybe uh, we can, I'll certainly include the website link in the podcast description. Yeah, the website, the website does such a good job of communicating all of the, all of the things we have to offer. Uh, we are, we have uh, our point of distribution footprint is is extensive throughout the midwest so it's it's not real hard to find our wines in grocery stores and then supermarkets and things like that but we also have a huge wine club we have an online store we ship for a penny we ship a case of wine for one cent to 38 different states wow yeah there's and they're really there you you can find in our online wine store you can find anything that you're looking for so uh, i would just encourage everybody give us a chance and you'll probably be back all right. Well, thank you, uh, John. It's been great talking to you. I learned a lot about a little history of the wine industry here in St. Julian's and Pawpaw and that whole southwest Michigan region today. And uh, I appreciate you taking time to be on the show. Well, you're welcome. Come on down and see me sometime. We'll have a glass of wine together. I will. <laughs> I will definitely do that.
Well, I've been talking with John Braganini from St. Julian Winery. It's a fascinating topic. I had no idea how extensive the wine industry was in Southwest Michigan, and I certainly learned a lot today. And I'm going to include the link to St. Julian on the podcast description, but they're quite easy to find. If you just Google St. Julian Winery and Pawpaw, it'll come up on your Google search. And it's quite an extensive website, so it's certainly worth checking out and they make some great wine. And if you support the company, you're supporting a Michigan company, which I like that too. So if you would like to find out more about me or would like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. And I'm always willing to talk to you guys. I love when you send me contact forms and make suggestions about other topics of Southwest Michigan history. And in fact, I just got one today from a, a listener and I am busy working on putting together a show on that in the near future. And if you're listening on on one of the website links that I put out there on social media and you're perhaps listening to the podcast for the first time, you can subscribe to this podcast on many of the apps that you'll find right on your phone, whether you have an Android or an iPhone. On an iPhone, you can find my podcast by searching Apple Podcasts, which is the app that they have for podcasts now, and it comes pre-programmed into your phone. So just log in there and set yourself up in an account and you can browse tales of Southwest Michigan's past and find it quite easily on there. If you're using an Android, there's a lot of apps out there. Spotify, Overcast is another one that I've used quite frequently. My podcast is on most any of the apps out there. It's even on Amazon Music, which may be called Amazon Podcast now. I had heard that they were switching and dividing up the content, but I'm not 100% sure. But you'll find it on any of the Amazon Music apps as well. And there's a whole host of other apps out there. When I got into distributing the podcast, trying to get your podcast out there. You want to make sure it's available on most any listening app. And uh, if you find an app that you prefer to use and I'm not on there, certainly uh, send me a message through my website and I will look it up and make sure my podcast is uploaded on there as well. And that's going to conclude today's episode. I hope you'll join me next time as we take another journey into Southwest Michigan's past and find yet another fascinating story from yesterday. Today's story about St. Julian certainly was a very interesting one for me, and I've learned a lot about the wine industry in the process of preparing for the interview with John, and he was quite busy, so I wanted to make sure that um, I didn't take up too much of his time today, but it was a fascinating chapter in Michigan history. Once again, thank you for listening. Thank you.